0: Uh, If you have a Bible, I want you to go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, just uh, grab your phone, download U Version, and look for the New Living Translation. You're going to look for U Version first, download U Version, and then look for the New Living Translation. So while you're looking that up, um, we are in our series right now called uh, Valuable. Where we are looking at those things in our lives that are valuable. There's so many things in our lives that we all have, have value and should have great value. But as uh, Pastor Daniel preached last week, what an amazing job Pastor Daniel did last week! Man, this guy, talent oozing from every pore of his body. It's like, uh, you need me to preach? I'll preach. Uh, you need me to sing? I'll sing. Uh, I need to play guitar? I'll play guitar. Uh, you need me to play the keyboards? I'll play the keyboards. Uh, oh, drummer didn't show up? I'll, I'll drum. Ooh, congratulations. Jesus just gave you his favor. 10 talents. Boom. Right there. So, if you ever wonder who got him? Right there. Not this guy. So, <laughs> this is insane the amount. By the way, this is his 10-year anniversary with our church. Celebrating 10 years. Lovely wife Di is down here if you don't know Die. And uh we, I, I, Daniel, uh, the only reason he is really here is because he said, uh, we needed a worship leader to help us get started, and he said, I'll help you out a couple of times. <laughs> so every week I go, hey, can you help us out a couple more times? Been doing that for 10 years, and he's still sticking around. Uh, so great, though. So we're in our series um, called Valuable, and we talked about this idea we have va- things we value in life, but but God... Uh, where Jesus said that the things that we should value most are loving God with our heart, our soul, and our mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Those are the four things we should value more than anything else on this planet. We we, uh, have that as our four core values, and we say that as hope, healing, peace, and purpose. That's what we wish for you today, if you're new, is hope and healing and peace and purpose of Jesus just to wash over you in amazing ways. And we've been telling you guys to get in a group. I hope you're in a group. And if you're not, get in a group because for the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about how we are able to live out these four core values. So every Sunday morning, we're gonna talk about the value. And then in our groups, we're gonna talk about how we're able to live that value out. So you're only gonna get about half the message if you're not in a group. If you didn't get in a group, don't worry, grab a Next Step card, fill it out, write groups, we'll call you. It's only for four weeks, and then you can, you know, blaze and get back out of, the, out of that group if you don't want to, or you can stick with it, whatever you want to do. So today, I want to talk to you out of Luke chapter 5, and let me give you some um, background on this, okay, a little, little background. Uh, if you're new to church, Luke was not one of the disciples. Luke actually came along later, became a follower of Jesus, and then he went around, he talked to all the early followers of Jesus, and he wrote down this account of Jesus' life, And he talks here in this letter, now you're going to get confused, because he talks about this guy named Simon, but Simon is a guy that we know in the church as Peter, okay? So later, Jesus would uh, call him Peter. God would change his name to Peter, but here in the story, he's known as Simon. So he knows Jesus, so he's he's met Jesus, he's seen Jesus, he's been following Jesus around, hearing him teach, seeing him do miracles. And then we come to this story right here in chapter 5, and it says, one day... As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Like, that's what we're doing right now. How cool is that? 2,000 years later, we're pressing in to hear the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, not by accident, but intentionally, because Jesus never does anything on accident like you don't just work with the person you work with by accident I didn't work with Jerry by accident that was intentionally set up by God because he providentially wanted to work out things in this world so nothing is by accident so Jesus asked Simon its owner push out into the water so he uh the he told him push out in the water so he sat in the boat Jesus did and taught the crowds from there when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, now, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, We, we worked all, all, hard all night. We didn't, we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so. But if you say so. I'm going I'm to talk on this, this, this point right here. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear and A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what was happening, he fell to his knees before Jesus. He said, please leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as as were the others that were with him. Are you awestruck by your Savior? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you ever awestruck by your Savior? Yeah, yeah. This section over here is awestruck. I'm awestruck today by my Savior, personally. I'm just telling you this moment I have. I'm awestruck, Jerry. You're awestruck right now. We're awestruck in this moment. Like you, that's crazy. But this is who our our God is. He was awestruck. It says his partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on, you're gonna be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Today, I wanna to talk to you about hope for the heart. Hope for the heart. If you, if you need hope, there's an area of your life that you don't have hope My prayer for you is that hope is going to rise up. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to let you get off your feet. Father, pray that hope rises in this place today. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the celebration of baptism. Thank you for your presence here today. And would you just, for all of us, just breathe hope over this place through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And the church said. All right, you can get off your feet. Does anybody remember mood rings? Show of hands if you remember mood rings. Okay, almost everybody. I, I loved mood rings as, as a kid. Uh, in fact, for this message, I, I went out and I bought a mood ring, and I've been wearing it all week, you know, just like checking to see what mood. I've been at the wedding and, and then driving back into Oklahoma and, and just watching my ring change and change and change darker and darker and darker as I entered Oklahoma from the beautiful Rockies. Anybody ever experienced that before where you have the withdrawals from the Rockies? So we've had the withdrawals from the Rockies. But the the mood ring is, you know this, is based on supposedly your emotions, and so as a kid, I loved it because you always wanted to know what color, and so if it was like blue, it meant you were calm and you were relaxed. If it was green, it meant you were excited and you were happy, um, and if it was black, you meant you were sad or you were just having a bad day. Now, mine right now, I don't understand this, it is purple, and purple means passion and romance, which is awkward because I'm preaching right now, and I think it has something to do with my wife sitting on the front row, So, because um, she'd be looking so good. So I'm going to need you, honey, to move back, move back a few few rows. Um, it's also awkward to talk about passion and romance when your mother-in-law is sitting right next to <laughs> your wife. Now it's turning black. It's turning very, very <laughs> black, <laughs> So, you know, and as, uh, when you have a mood ring, you, you, it's fun because you want to see it change colors, and, and, and ladies, you you have no problem with this because your mood changes like every 15 seconds, right? So, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you glad I'm back? Are you glad I'm back? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But as, as men, we always, it never changes colors. Mine would never change color. I would do anything I could to get it to change color. I'd blow on it. <sighs> Did you ever do that as a kid, (sighs) trying to get it to change? Or have your buddy hit you? Hit me. Don't hit me harder. Hit me. I want to turn red. Hit me harder. And just wouldn't change colors. The the one color, though, you never really wanted it to be was black. Because if it turned black, it meant that you you were sad or you were discouraged or you were having a very, very bad day. If you were wearing a mood ring right now, in what area of your life would your ring be black? What area of your life right now is full of disappointment, heartache, brokenness, frustration? What area of your life are you in kind of maybe even a, a dark place? Maybe it's, maybe it's relationally. You have a relationship that's upside down, and you just can't get it to turn around. It's very, very dark in that relationship, and it's very frustrating for you. Maybe you're single, and you're like, I would love to have any ring on this finger, okay? That's what I'm hoping for, because this one is nothing but stone-cold black, and I don't see anything coming down the line for me. Or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's school. Maybe school has got you overwhelmed, that maybe you're in a class, and you're overwhelmed by that class, and you just... Honestly, you're in it and everybody else gets it and you don't, you don't get it and you feel stupid. You feel like you're never going to be able to get to that place where of your dreams. Maybe it is about dreams. Maybe it's about your future. As you think about your future, it's not all that exciting. It's very, very dark. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a habit that you, you can't seem to kick. Or maybe, honestly, maybe it's your relationship with God see everybody else celebrating God. But you're honestly at that point where you're like, I, if I was honest in this place, I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't know if all this is just a bunch of hype. Because every time I talk to God, it's nothing but dark and nothing but black. No matter what you try, no matter how hard you try to get that to change, it doesn't change. And you just grow increasingly frustrated hopelessness is kind of setting, in. disappointment has set in, in your life. Well, in Luke chapter 5, we find that Peter, in the early stages of this story, if he had a mood ring on, it would probably be black, very dark. He's been fishing all night. He's caught nothing. He's a professional fisherman. He's sitting on the, on the shoreline. He's abandoned the boat, and he's just over with the nets. And then we see in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus shows up on the scene. And in verse two, it says this, Jesus noticed two, say these two words with me, two what? Empty boats. This is key here, empty boats. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. So imagine, if you would, get yourself in in Peter's shoes, imagine the frustration he's having, imagine the stress that he's having because this is his livelihood, Like, no fish means no bills are getting paid. What what it means is he's going to go home to Mrs. Simon Peter, and there isn't going to be much to put on the table. It's a very, very difficult time. Can anyone relate? I mean, are you in a situation that you're frustrated? Why is this not changing? Why are things not getting better? I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and nothing is changing. Nothing but disappointment. I'm exhausted, and my boat, like Peter, is empty. What what Peter doesn't realize, and he has no idea, is that his life is about to be radically altered. Altered. His name is about to be changed and his destiny is about to be changed. He's about to go from empty to full. Like this is our savior. This is our Jesus. This is what he does for us. He shows up on the scene. He doesn't just change names, but he changes destinies. Can you believe that today? He could change your destiny today. In the blink of an eye. Like, that's who our Jesus is. And this is where Simon Peter finds himself in this moment. He doesn't know this. He has no idea that his entire future is about to be radically altered. Like, Jesus is going to change his name from Simon to Peter. Do you know what Peter means? Peter means the rock. Like, he's the original rock. Forget Dwayne Johnson. Peter, man, he's a fisherman. He was like man. He was a stud. He was the original rock. Jesus gave him that name. At this point, he has no idea that Jesus is going to use him to birth the entire church. He has no idea that he's going to preach a sermon, the very first sermon ever preached in the name of Jesus, and over 3,000 people are going to come to faith in Jesus. He has no idea in this moment where he is mending his nets and where his boat is empty, he has no idea that people are going to be talking about him thousands of years later and telling that story. No idea that his empty boat is going to inspire millions and millions of people. That's your story. That's where you're at. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. Not just inspire you, not just bring hope to you, but bring hope to future generations. Like, I I mean, let me say it again. Like, It wasn't just for Jerry. His boat is empty. Jesus comes into his boat, but it wasn't just for Jerry Austin. It was for his daughter and his children and his grandchildren and their grandchildren that they would tell stories over and over again. Don't you want that? Don't you want to know that? Like this idea that right now my boat is empty, but someday... Man, my great, great, great granddaughter or my great, great grandson is going to tell the story. Because, see, one day they're going to be sitting in a hopeless, empty boat. Why? Because hopelessness and empty boats come to every person in every generation. And your grand, 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 grandchildren are going to need your story to lean on. So this story isn't just for you. What you're dealing with and what you're struggling with, when Jesus fills your boat, what's going to happen one day is, man, there's going to be a great-great-grandchild that's going to say, I know my boat's empty, but I remember what grandpa told me. I remember the story that grandma told me about what Jesus did for her. This This is what our Jesus does for us. But in this moment, in this moment, all Peter sees is, Failure and frustration. Disappointment. No hope. And in verse 3, it says this Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. Peter had no idea that hope had just stepped into his boat like everything changes when hope steps into the boat, okay? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them this, hope is stepping in. Hope is stepping in for you. Hope is stepping in. Like this is who Jesus is. This is what he does. He steps into our emptiness. He steps into our open, our empty boat. He steps into our hopeless situation so that hope can rise up within us. Like this is what One of our four core values. This is what we want to press into today. I want you to write this down because this value is so critical in all of our lives. It's a value in our church, which means it's a value for us as people in the church. We are the church. Here's what I want you to write down: Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the Romans, and his name was also changed, by the way, by Jesus. His name was Saul, and Jesus changed his name to Paul and altered and changed his destiny as well. And he said this about the hope in Romans 15, 13. He says, I pray that God, it, what? Say this with me. What? The source of hope. The the source of hope is Jesus. I pray it will fill you completely with joy. Man, that's my prayer for you, that that hope would fill you so full of joy that it's just bubbling out of you. That it would fill you so full of peace. We're going to talk about peace here in just a couple of weeks. Why? Because you trust in him. you got to keep your trust in him, your faith in him. Even though my boat is empty, I, my faith and my trust are still in him. And then he says this, then you will, come on, say this, say this with me like hope is, is rising up in you, okay? He says this, what you will what? Overflow with confident hope. Like, listen, not just a, oh, I hope so. Hoping for the best and hope it works out. Not not a hope the world gives us, not when you go to work and somebody says, hey, hope works out for you. Not, not Facebook hope, when somebody posts on your Facebook page, you know, hey, good luck. No, no, this is a confident hope, which means you can take it to the bank, you can, you can count on it, it will always be there for you. Uh, on, on my way home from the church, I can go down 121st Street towards the Walmart and when I'm headed there, uh, if I'm thirsty, I have a lot of options as to quenching my thirst. Uh, on the left side of the road is uh, a brand new Starbucks. Praise God he dropped that. I knew we planted here. I knew we bought here. I knew God put us here for a purpose and a plan because Starbucks was coming. Thank you, Jesus. And I can go there and I can get the nitro with the cold foam on top of it. Man, that is the Mm, drink of champions right there, given by the Holy Spirit for the quenching of your thirst, all right? Maybe I'm overstating it, but it's an amazing drink. So I can get that, or I can go down the road a little ways to the dollar store, and in the dollar store, I can get one of those large cans of Arizona sweet tea. Anybody feeling that one? Yeah, and if I don't want that, I can go a couple doors down from there. I can go to Bueno, and I can get an iced cold Dr. Pepper, any Pepper people in the house, all right? Any one of those I want. The issue is they all have a cost. They cost, they're not free. And not only that, but they don't last. They cost and they can only quench my thirst for a point and then it's gone. But on the right side of the road is a natural spring. A natural spring where the water never stops flowing. Any of the followers of Jesus tracking with me here on this one, okay? (laughs) Like the water, you, you can go to that pump as many times as you want. It will deliver water to quench your thirst, and it's free. So here's what I think happens to so many of us. We drive by the source of hope just to take a sip on the temporary or the terminal. Something that doesn't quench our thirst, it just kind of helps our thirst a little bit. If I'm feeling hopeless, if my boat is empty, if I'm struggling, I'll just take out my phone and I'll just start clicking on apps and I'll get that dopamine fix. Man, oh, got to look at that social media app and get that fix and I feel good until I shut it off sit down, I'll veg out on Netflix and I'll watch a show until the show is over and then I'm right back in my empty boat. Just a temporary fix or sometimes we crutch on the terminal. We'll we'll get on a site that we really have no business being on. We know that it doesn't, it's not the right thing for me, but I need that fix. I need that hit. To feel better about myself, and I keep going back to that over and over again, or, or maybe it's, maybe it's a substance that I'll put a substance in my body that is no business being in my body, but at least it fixes it temporarily at least it, but it 's not just temporary it, that can be terminal to you. sometimes we will crutch on an on unhealthy relationship. man, when i 'm feeling hopeless and my boat is empty, man, I just just get anyone into my boat. Anybody, I don't care who they are. And I crutch and I get myself into an unhealthy relationship. And what happens is, man, I go to the temporary or the terminal and they are not a source of hope. Paul tells us that they are a false hope because hope for the heart is found in Jesus and him alone. Paul says he is the source of hope. Can I get an amen from the people of God? He's the source of hope. Like he's a never-ending source of hope. Okay? He is the, the water, the spring that never runs dry. Anybody tracking with me on this one? I can go to him. I can count on him when I'm disappointed, when I'm discouraged, when hope is lost, when the ring is dark and I don't know where to turn. I can go to Jesus. He will quench my thirst and it's free. It's not temporary, it's not terminal, it's not transactional. It is a moment where he fills me completely. Peter, he has, he has no idea that his empty boat is about to be overflowing with hope. Look at verse 4, it says, when, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Say that with me. Go out where it is deeper. Come on, one more time. Go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Peter's given up. He's moved on from here. He's on the shoreline. He's cleaning his nets. He's just kind of licking his wounds. And and what what does Jesus do? Jesus calls him back to the deep. He, He calls him back the to the place of disappointment Th- this is what Jesus will do Jesus will call you back to the deep He will call you back to the place where you lost your hope so that he can restore your hope. It's hard to go there. We don't want to go there. Peter doesn't want to go there he says in verse 5 Master, we worked hard at all last night. We didn't catch a thing, but here it is. Say this with me. But if you say so. Come on, turn to three people, high five them, and say, if God says so, I'm letting down my net. If God says so, I'm letting down my net. This is what he says. If you say so, I'll let down my nets again. See, it's, it's, in, it's in the deep, the deep discouragement, the deep disappointment, the deep heartache. The deep brokenness, it's in the deep that doubt and hope collide. This this is what's happening for Peter here in this moment. Think about Peter. Doubt and hope are colliding in this moment because Peter, he's a professional fisherman. Hey, Jesus, dude, I I, I get you. I understand who you are and all that, but I'm the professional. Like, I know what I'm doing, okay? Uh, All you've done is gone to Bass Pro Shop. That's all you've done. I've been doing this my whole life, okay? I fished all night ain't nothing out there. I'm telling you. And this is the worst time to go. He's conflicted. He's, ha- he's having doubt. But he also has a strange feeling of hope rising up in him. Why? Because he knows Jesus. He's been following Jesus around. You look back just a few chapters and you, you'll see that he saw Jesus doing miracles. He's like, I know you're not a fisherman, but you are the miracle maker. And you did a miracle in my family. You healed my, my mother-in-law. Have you ever had God do a miracle in your family? And when he does a miracle in your family, hope will rise up like no other time. When you see it draw close to you and you see that miracle, this is where Peter is. He's in this moment. It's in the deep where doubt and hope collide. And I'm telling you, when you're in the deep like that, I'm telling you what you got to do is you got to choose hope. you got to choose to hope. Come on. You got to choose to hope. Turn to somebody and tell them, choose to hope. You got to choose to hope. You got to choose hope. In Romans chapter four, Paul, who we just talked about a few moments ago in the same letter that he writes to the Romans in chapter four, he tells a story about Abraham. And many of you probably know the story of Abraham, but if you don't, Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, God came to him in a vision and a dream, and God said to him, Abraham, through you, I'm gonna birth a nation, and look up at the stars. There's gonna be more kids than you can see stars in the sky, and Abraham's like, dude, I'm in my 70s. Are you kidding? I don't know that he said dude. I don't think he would say that, but but he's like, hey, i in my 70s. God said, you're gonna have a child. Two decades go by, no child. And then one day, his wife Sarah gets pregnant and gives birth to the nation of Israel. And Paul, Paul records these words. He says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Can you have that kind of spirit about you? Like, even when there's no reason to hope, I will keep hoping. There ain't no reason. Everybody around me is telling me it's a joke. Everyone around me is telling me to quit. Everyone around me is telling me, leave the boat. Get rid of the boat. This is stupid. Go away. Move on with your life. I ain't got no reason to hope, but I will hope. If he says to let down the nets, I'm going to let down the nets one more time. So when I hear the story of Abraham, I, I think of a story I shared a few weeks ago. If you were here, I shared about the miracle uh, for Jimmy and, and Carol, and this is uh, Jimmy and Carol. And if you weren't here, let me tell you what happened in their lives. About six years ago, they wanted to have a child, and they began to the process of having a kid and, and she was unable to conceive. Can you imagine how heartbreaking that would be. And year after year after year after year of nothing, six long years. And then last year in September, she got pregnant. We'd been praying for this miracle forever. I remember when she came to me, she's like, I'm pregnant. And we were so excited and her friends and everyone. We celebrated with her. We didn't know that less than a month later, she would lose that baby. October 9th of 2017. Tuesday will mark the one-year anniversary of that event in their life. But they didn't quit. They didn't, they didn't give up. They, they, they said, but if you say so, I will let down my nets again. And they, they continued to trust God where it didn't make sense. There didn't appear to be any hope, but they chose to keep hoping. And in February, she got pregnant again nervousness as you can imagine even the friends and family very nervous but praying and believing in faith for her that she's going to have a child and, and her due date was october 9th of this year what i love about her story is that uh baby mia decided i'm not going to be born on that day i want my own day girl i want my own day She decided she was gonna come early. And I showed this picture a few weeks ago, but that baby Mia came early. There she is right there. She's not beautiful. Look at her, the miracle. (laughs) She came early. There were complications. There was struggle. She was in the ICU. We were still praying. It was still a, a, a lot of nervousness and, and wondering what's going to happen. And then just about a week or two ago, they walked out of the hospital and look at baby Mia now. Look at this. Look at this baby now. Look at that baby. Look at that baby. Woo. Like that's hope. Like you want to, some people say, what does God look like? You know what God looks like? God looks like that. That's what God looks like. God looks like hope. God looks like restoration. God looks like healing. God says, I got my plan. I've got a destiny for you. Don't stop hoping. Come on, tell three people around you, don't stop hoping. Don't stop hoping. Keep hoping. So Peter, Peter, man, he... He wasn't wasn't alone in, in the deep waters. So he's going out into the deep, but he's not alone. And listen, can I say this over you today? You are not alone. You may be in deep discouragement, deep frustration, deep pain, but you are not alone. Our Savior is there with you. In fact, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament God spoke through the prophet and God said this, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Can you say that with me? I will be with you. Can we just encourage each other? Three people around you, high five them, tell them God is with you. Tell them right now, high five them, tell them God is with you. Now, listen, some of y'all ain't participating. I don't know what that's all about. Listen, I can't be the only one preaching. We gotta preach to one another. Because listen, right now, there the reason they, and I, I've said this before, but let me say it again. Let me start step off of preaching. Let me let me step into teaching for a moment here, okay? We ain't a quiet church. This is not the place you come and you just go, all right, I'm just gonna get my Jesus on. And... All right. Praise the Lord. So good. So good. Jesus is. This ain't that kind of church. Okay? Like, we are loud, we worship with our hands up, we clap, we shout, man, we talk to one another. And I tell you, like, if you're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can get into that, then you ain't gonna like this place. Okay? Because listen, that's what church is. Church was never meant to be a place where we come in, sit down, and don't talk to anybody around us. That's not church. The church is the people. The church was designed for us to encourage one another. And here's what happens. Here's what you need to understand is when I'm preaching, somebody is sitting there and they look the part and everything looks great, but right there is their boat and it is empty. And they're high-fiving you and they're doing the talk and all this, but their boat is empty. And they hear me speaking and they're having trouble believing it, but then you turn and what you don't realize is you become the preacher. You're the preacher. I ain't the only one that preaches on Sunday. You preach to one another. And what something happens, you all know it, you all see it. Somebody turns to you. You ever been in that moment? Like you're the one in the boat, and somebody turns to you you're like this goofiest thing I ever seen. High five three people around. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh man, hope is rising. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Woo! I mean, you just get excited. I mean, that's just the way it is. You're like, you're like, man, I can I can feel it. Why? Because here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is speaking through you, and he's breathing over this person, and, and they are getting immersed in the Holy Spirit in that moment, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to their spirit, and hope rises up. I was in Denver this past week, and I love the Rockies, and we went to a church on Sunday, and, and this church on Sunday, the worship was so good. And the preaching was so good. But the crowd, there was no hope. It was weird. I was like, man, there's so much hope on the stage. And I could see it, but I could see in the seats that nobody was buying it. Nobody was talking to each other. Nobody, nobody was amening. Nobody was like, we were standing there during the worship set, Laura and I. And I was like, I wanted to raise my hand, but I was like, I don't think this is the raise your hand church. I think it's, it's there. Sir, do you have a question? No, I was worshiping. Uh, <laughs> awkward. So I was like, I guess, I guess I'll sing quietly to myself, you know. It was really weird. I was like, I can't wait to get home. Be around people I like to get loud and like to worship. So I, I, I was sitting there in that church, and there was this guy that was sitting across the aisle from me, and I watched him the whole entire worship set, and he just sat like this. And he was looking around, he's like. And, and to be honest, at first I thought, well, maybe he's a guest, and maybe he's resistant to God, and that's okay. And if that's you, that's okay. This is a safe place for you. You don't have to hoop and holler if you don't want to hoop and holler. That's okay. But man, when we're filled with the Spirit, those of us who have Jesus, we, we know what that means, but he sat there, but he, so he's sitting there like this, and I thought, oh, yeah, but then it came time for the offering, and he reached down, and he grabbed an offering plate, and he came forward, and I was like, he's one of the ushers, and all I thought in that moment was, if that's what hope is, I don't want it. If that's who Jesus is, I don't want it. I don't want your Jesus because of whatever you're selling, whatever that guy is saying, whatever they're singing. I (laughs) know this ain't legit. Like that's why we talk to one another. That's why we encourage one another. Because man, we know that God is going to be with us. The prophet Isaiah says, When you go through rivers of difficulty, this is, I love this. You will not drown. You will not drown. Listen, sometimes I don't need a huge miracle. I don't need a big breakthrough. I just don't want to drown. Just get me through it. I don't need, oh, I just need, bur, 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 I just need that God. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Jesus, I don't need, oh, I just need, bur, 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 I need that God. Just don't want to, to drown. When you go through deep waters, Jesus is there. Hope is there. Listen, Peter. He didn't know this, but a couple years later, he was going to be in a boat, and he was going to be with the disciples. There was going to be this huge storm, and they were all freaking out. And Jesus comes walking to him on the water, and and the disciples are like, "Oh, it's a ghost! It's a ghost!" They're freaking out. But Peter—he's Peter's awesome. He's so bold. He's like, "That's Jesus, man! I'm getting out of the boat. I'm walking to Jesus." They're all like, "You crazy!" And he gets out of the boat. And he starts walking on the water. But if you know the story, you know he began to sink in his doubt. When you are walking on water, it feels great, but there's times when you are sinking in doubt and disappointment and discouragement and frustration, but it's in that moment that Jesus was there in the storm and he reached out and he pulled Peter out of the water. That's what he'll do for you. All you gotta do when you're in that boat and you feel like you're going to drown and all hope is gone is just reach up and trust the hand of God to raise you out of that water. So back to the story in verse 6 of Luke 5 it says and this time not like the last time but this time not like the last time it, it's all about to change. Their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. See, God doesn't want to just fill your nets. He wants to fill your nets so full that you're overflowing with hope. He wants to fill you so full that that you can share it with others. Like, this is who we are at Core Church. At Core Church, what we realize is, this hope isn't just for me. This hope is for everyone, and so when we overflow with hope, man, we share that hope. Here, you have some hope. Here, you have some hope. You have some hope. Here, you have some. I got a lot left over. You can have some, and you can have some, and you, you can have some. We Man, we are hope dealers. I've heard that said before. I had to steal that. We are hope dealers. I like that. That's way better than the other dealer. Hope dealer. But that's what it's about. It's about giving hope to people, and that's and we just can't keep it to ourselves because hope for the heart. And it's found in Jesus.